Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. So, so many great things we're reading, so many fantastic things in the book of Samuel. And so we've transitioned from uh, Ruth and from Judges. Ruth was good. Last week, Zach did an amazing job on Ruth. Did he not? That was so good. And I was really, really blessed by that. And we're still really, as we go into Samuel, we're kind of still in the edge of the Judges season. Uh, judges, uh, Eli was the judge, and then Samuel was the final judge. And then after Samuel, Samuel, they moved into, we want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel broke his heart, but... God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So I'm going to give them what they want. So the fact that they got a king wasn't really God's desire, but it did happen because that's what they wanted. So then we came into a realm, and Samuel was the one who uh, was a part who ordained and set apart. We stepped into the kings. We had Saul, and we had David. And Saul, you know, someone after Saul's line was supposed to always. It said, Saul, your line will always be on the throne. That's what the Lord said. The Lord said that. Someone from your line will always be on the throne. And yet Saul had some character issues. He's had some bad, bad issues. He had some insecurity issues. He was unable to celebrate other people. He's unable to, and he didn't like it that David was getting accolades and he just despised David. And then finally Saul rejected, was rejected by God. And God said, I've found someone after my own heart. He found David. And David was an interesting king. And we're going to talk about David next week over Easter, and it's going to be some good stuff. But I want to talk to you today about Samuel, about him. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit, kind of a little bit of prophetic foreshadowing. I want you to see some things, because I don't believe any name in the Bible. I don't believe they're wasted. I think God does them intentionally, and he does them on purpose. So I'm going to try and quickly talk to you about hearing the voice of God. And you can hear the voice of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can hear you can. You can hear the voice of God. So we want to talk about that today, all right? So I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 to 20. All right, it's 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 to 20. It says, there was a man named Elkanah. Now I want you to look at this slide because right here, Elkanah's name means God has created or God redeemed or God purchased or, or God designed. And he was God. He was from a high place, from the doubly fruitful place. You know, I really see it as a type of, of God, a type of, of the Father. And he, there he was. There was Elkanah. Elkanah. Elkanah lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroam. He was the son of Elu, who was the son of Tohu, who was the son of Zuf of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, lots of children, but Hannah did not. Now Peninnah, the name Peninnah means irritation or provoker. How do you get a pearl? You get some grit and stuff inside of there and it messes around and it irritates until it finally turns into a shiny pearl. But pearls are developed through pain and frustration and some suffering. But Peninnah was a pain. Peninnah was a provoker, and Peninnah was an irritation. So there was Peninnah, and there was Hannah. Hannah is Hannah, Hannah, or from the root hen. Hen is grace. Hannah is to be favored, to be gracious, to experience, to be wrapped in grace. So Hannah is grace. And Hannah gave birth to hearing God, El and then voice and God, God and voice. She said, God has heard my voice, but she gave birth to hearing the voice of God. 
She gave birth to a whole new generation that knew how to hear the voice of God. And God is doing that right now. And grace is not just a, a something that, oh, isn't it interesting? We're focusing on grace. We're not focusing on grace. There's a revival of grace. There's a revival of grace because God Almighty, the creator of all things, wants you to realize that there is a group coming forth that hear the voice of God. And that group is going to hear the voice of God because they're going to be birthed out of a place of an incredible revelation of grace. Settle down, all that enthusiasm. Peninnah. But Hannah had none. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship, sacrifice to the Lord of the heaven's armies, the Lord of the armies of heaven. That name is used more of God than any other name in the Bible. The, and if God wants to reveal himself and say, call me this more often than anything else, it's a big name. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven at the tabernacle of the priests. And the Lord, at that time, the priests were Eli, and he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. What's interesting is that Eli means to exalt and to ascend, and yet somebody who's name was to exalt and to ascend. He was given an incredible responsibility. He was not a good father. He was not a good priest. He gave birth to two children, and he named his children Fist Fight and Serpent Mouth. And if you read, and if you have been reading, you realize these are two sons who did not honor God, did not respect God, did not serve the people, literally beat the people up and stole from them. So that's what was going on here. So that's what you had. So that was, that, was, that was what it was like. That's what was going on. And you know what? That's sometimes what it's like today. You got, you got today in the world some people that, that should be servants of God. Instead, we got people that are beating each other up, fighting over issues, cantankerous. We got serpent mouths and fist fights instead of manifesting leadership and ascending and exalting God. It's given birth to some real miserable stuff out there. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So the, they were the priests of the Lord. And on the days, Elkanah presented the priests of the Lord their uh, sacrifice. And he gave portions of meat to Peninnah and each of the children. And he loved Hannah. He gave her a special portion, a choice portion, because the Lord had given her no children. So uh, Elkanah, you know, was, was there. And he was there. He was blessing her with her. But so Peninnah, listen now. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her, the Lord, the Lord had kept her from having children year after year year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and she could not eat. Have you ever been so sad, so miserable, you can't eat? That's how Hannah felt. And Hannah felt so broken that grace was unable to bring forth children. And see, even today, you might look around, and, and it may seem like grace is a narrow wedge or, or just a fringe little issue. The law, people who love the law, people who like religious works, people who like to go to do's and don'ts and this and that's and, and all those things, and uh, Jesus might have saved you, but you got to save yourself every day. He might have saved you, but it's not once and for all. you got to make sure you stay saved. And there's a, some real weird stuff out there, and there's, there's, there's voices, even in pulpits, that are you know, beating the flock up every day instead of introducing them to the love and the grace and the goodness of God and talking to them about a God who he might be for you, he's not for you. I don't know. There's a lot of mixture in the church today, and that mixture tends to have a big voice, and it says a lot of stuff. And you might think grace is a narrow wedge. Grace has no children. But it says in Isaiah 54, verse 1, it says, single bear and woman for the children that you have are far more than the one who had children. And there's going to be an amazing breakthrough because grace is going to give birth to a, an incredible community of people who hear the voice of God with incredible clarity and they know what to do. So it's a little bit of, a little bit of prophetic preaching today. And I pray that your spirit would receive it and understand what the Lord's saying. All right. So 
Here we are, verse eight. Why are you crying, Hannah Elkin? It would say, why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted? Just because, uh, why are you reduced to tears? Uh, verse nine, she said, because, uh, you know, having me, and I mean, that's what the Lord would say. I mean, because the Lord said that when he came to Abraham. Eh? Abraham was like, I don't have a kid, and Abraham, but the Lord said, but you have me. I'm your great reward. I mean, I'm enough. Am I not enough? And Abraham was like, I want children. The patriarchs all wanted children. Uh, Samson's mom was, was barren. You see patterns all through the word of God. Often what looks like an inability to manifest, there's an intentionality in God in that situation. And you may look at it and judge it as there's not much there. And it may look in the physical that there's not much there, but God's got incredible purpose. And in a lot of places where God had incredible purpose, it may have looked at May have been at one time, it looked like it's not prevailing and it's not prospering, it's not moving forward. So often God brought about supernatural things from places of barrenness. It's good to have Sheila on the front row. Uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, she was barren. Many, many times God had used that for a place he was bringing something incredible and something significant and something of eternal purpose for that time into manifestation. So uh, uh, verse 9, once after the sacrificial meal in Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray, and Eli the priest was, as he was customarily was, was sitting there uh, beside the entrance of the tabernacle, and Hannah was deep in anguish, bitterly crying and praying unto the Lord, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's army. She said, look, look upon my sorrow, answer my prayer, give me a son, I will give this son back to you, he'll be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign, I will make a Nazarite vow. I mean, his hair will never be cut. In verse 12, and she was praying in the Lord to the Lord and Eli watching over her. And it's amazing that Eli was watching over her and he rebuked this woman for, you know, boisterous praying. And yet her, his sons were ripping off the people and stealing the sacrifices. And he rebukes this woman, but he wouldn't take care of his own kids. Anyways, she was praying he said to her, he said, look, I mean, must you come here drunk? I mean, her prayer must have been so expressive. I mean, she must have been so aggressive there before God, pouring out her heart that she looked intoxicated. And he said, this woman has come to the house of God drunk. She's throwing herself around. This is ridiculous. He says, what are you doing here? Why are you drunk? Have you ever been like that? I've been in a place where I've been whacked out drunk and people thought, that's crazy. That's just nonsense. But I was just whacked out in God, desperate for a move of God. You know, people, what are you doing? You know, and you know, you've just like, God, you know, you just cry it out to him. You must be drunk. He demanded, he says, throw away your wine. She says, oh no, sir. She replied, I've not been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman for I've been praying out in great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you have asked him. And then she said, oh, Thank you, sir, she exclaimed, and she went back, and she began to eat, and she was no longer sad. Hey! Did she have a baby? No. She got a word. She was in anguish, and the priest turned around. He said, in that case... Your prayer is answered. Go in shalom. Go in the completeness of God. Go in the fullness of God. And what you desire is going to come forth in your life. And so right away she said, well, I'm just going to, well, I hope that comes true, but I'm going to stay miserable until I see the manifestation. She immediately went and ate. She immediately, from that point on, she was no longer sad. Boom. When you get the word of the Lord, stop it. Shake yourself. Come on. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. 
and be glad in it. From that moment on, she was no longer sad. Verse 19, the entire family got up the next morning. They went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. And when Elkanah slept with Hannah, Elkanah slept with Hannah. That was important. It had to happen. The Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. And she named him, compound word, hear God. Hear God, hearing L, to hear God. And she said, I'm calling him hear God because I asked the Lord for him. And she says, he heard me, but he heard her because he wanted to give birth to a generation that would hear him. And grace is in a big operation today to bring into birth a community that knows how to hear the voice of God. And it might look like it's coming out of a narrow place. And it gets fought against. It gets battled against. It gets taunted. It gets told all kinds of things. But I'm telling you, it's all a prophetic foreshadowing of what God wants to do today. And there's a community that's being raised up in a big, huge revelation of the goodness of the Father and his gracious intentions toward us so that we'll become very close to him so that we will hear his voice so very clearly in this day. That's the message. But I'm going to share a bunch of other stuff with you just for fun. I'm going to do it quickly. You're going to have a few lists. going to have a few things. So I'm going to go through some stuff fairly quickly. 1 Samuel 3, 1, 10, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread vision. It was rare. The word was rare, and there was no widespread vision. So here in this time, Samuel is given to the Lord. He's there under Eli, and the Lord speaks to him, and he goes to Eli. Hey, what did you want? And Eli finally realized after three times that I'm not calling him. This kid's here in the voice of God. And he said, say, Lord, this is your servant. Your servant is hearing what you're saying. So he said, speak to me, Lord, your servant hears. Verse 19 and 21 of Samuel 3, it says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Let how many? None. That meant that this is a guy who heard so clearly the voice of God that Samuel's words were God's words. He was so in tune with the voice of God that when Samuel spoke, God paid attention and not one of Samuel's words fell to the ground, but every word that proceeded out of Samuel's mouth, God himself watched over. This is the kind of people that God really wants to raise up today. A people that are walking so in tune with him that literally God, they are bringing his word. Reinhard Bonnke said, said God's word on your mouth is exactly the same as God's word on his mouth. And God's looking for a people that want to become so intertwined with him, so in line with him, so attuned with his heart, so in tune with his voice that they're speaking things that whatever you say, it will be done for you. So we're looking for that kind of company today because it's time for a massive revival to fill the earth. Amen. Amen. So he said, not one of his words, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 15, verse 1. Boom. We took a big turn right there. Look what it says. It says, the Lord said to, he said, listen, the Lord said to Jeremiah, here's what he said. He's in it and he's messed up. He's so upset with the people. He says, that's it. You know, they've never given the land rest. I can't do it. The land's going to rest. They're going to go into captivity for 70 years. And he said, and nobody, nobody is going to change my 
my mind on this. God said, I'm going to do it. He said, even if Moses or Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards these people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Now, wow, how did you turn that corner, Pastor? Where'd you go? I want you to see that Samuel's name was mentioned by the Lord as someone, even if Samuel were to intercede, somebody who had that quality of a relationship with me that he affected me. Samuel could come. Moses could come. These two guys, literally, there's times that they interceded for the people and I was moved and my mind was moved. He said, but even if they were here to stand for them, I'm not changing my mind. So you see that God is saying Samuel wasn't just somebody who was a friend to God. He was somebody who had influence with God, who partnered with God to such a level. God had watched over all his words. None of them fell to the ground. Here was a person who came to a place of incredible quality of relationship with God, that he wasn't just partnering with God, not just a friend to God. He influenced God. They moved together to Together, they did stuff. Now, give me another verse, just for fun. Luke 7, 28, Jesus, for I say to you, among those born of women, there's not one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So we're saying of all the old covenant prophets, of all the anointings and ministries of the old covenant, John the Baptist was the greatest, which means he surpassed Moses, Samuel, all those people. And yet, here's what God says. You know, Samuel, who could partner with me and have that type of relationship, Moses, face-to-face friendship, contending together for my purposes, those kind of people, they were awesome, but you... Whoever is the least, whoever is the the toenail on the the baby foot, baby foot, the baby toe. I mean, you might think, I'm just a little thing in the kingdom. I'm telling you, you're a big thing in the kingdom in the eyes of God. And every one of you this day have to realize that God has placed you in a covenant that is vastly better than the old covenant, but he's done it on purpose. And we got to understand his purposes today. It's true. Give me another slide just because I'm lost now. Acts 2, 18 to 19. I love this. Church is born. Book of Acts. Here's what God says. The birth of his church, the birth of this community, a body he's prepared for himself. Look, I will pour out in those days my spirit. Amen. What's those days? It's now. He's still pouring. His spirit is pouring out violently. I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And look, they, who is they? Just point at your neighbor, say, he's talking about you. Talking about all you folks, ready? They shall prophesy, and I will show. They will prophesy, and I will show. They will prophesy. God, would you show up, please? What's he waiting for? Prophesy. See, you can't say, God, please do something. You need to know what God's doing. You need to declare it, and God will make it so you got to do it. And this is a company that's got to be raised up today. Not a few prophets, not a couple of prophetic people here and there, but a prophetic company who knows who they are and knows how to speak to their situations every single day of their life and manifest the kingdom of God. That company, though, has to be a people who know that they can hear the voice of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can hear. You can hear. You can hear, you can hear. So that's that company. That's that company of people. Let me give you another verse, Isaiah chapter 48. Look what it says. It says, Isaiah 48, 6 says, I will show specific new things from this time forth, even hidden things, things kept in reserve. There are things that God has kept for today. There's revelations of God. There's things God wants to do right now in 
the world, in the earth today. There's things he wants to do right now. They've been kept in reserve. Things that you have not known, they are created now. Say now. They are created now. How are they created? They're called into being by the prophetic word. Not long ago and before today, you've never heard of them. Never. Oh, I did. I heard about it. I knew. I knew it. Pastor might not have known it, but I knew. I knew that was what God was doing. No, really, it says, look, the prophetic word is going to create it right now. These are, these are new things, things that have never been seen before, not even thought about before. Even you who thinks you're, you know, the smarty pants of all things revelational. God is saying, never. Why? Because, lest you should say, behold, I knew that. I knew that. I knew he was going to do that. God's doing things now that would blow your mind. God wants to do things now. And he wants people willing to speak things that have never been heard of before. He wants you to speak things that you literally, you would shudder as it goes through your mouth. You'd be going, I can't believe I said that. Because it's never been heard before. It's the trumpet of the Lord. All right, so let's, let's move on. Mark chapter 4, 24, referred to this earlier. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Say, be careful. You know, so often God says, fear not, be anxious for nothing. But he says, be careful what you are hearing. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to those who hear. Say, hear. It's two types of people in the word, the world, the hears and the hear not. There's people who hear and people who don't hear. But listen, you can hear. You can hear. You can hear. Isaiah 5, 15 to 17. Be very careful then how you live. Interesting. Be careful. Be careful how you live. Not as wise, but unwise. Two types of people, wise and unwise. It says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Do not be foolish, comma, but understand what the will of God is. You can live on either side of that comma. You can be someone who has no idea what God's doing. That would be foolish. Or you can be someone who God is speaking to you. He's telling you right now, you can know the will of God, every single bit of it. The Holy Ghost is here to tell you deep things, the deep things, even things that can't be fathomed. He's ready to reveal them to you. Do not be foolish. Do not be ignorant. Be someone who understands and knows with absolute surety, this is the will of God. Amen. All right, good, good. So very quickly, bunch of lists. You ready? You're going to go through it fast. Four basic types of revelation. General revelation is nature. Specific revelation is Jesus. Specific revelation. Absolute clear revelation. If you got to only choose one, choose Jesus, because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Right? You got Jesus. You got biblical revelation, the Holy Spirit illumining the word and revealing you why that word was written and bringing that revelation into your heart. And then you have direct revelation. Say direct Direct revelation where God speaks directly to you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you personally and directly. Did you know that God speaks to you? Do you hear voices? You should be hearing the voice of the Lord. Jesus said, I only do what I see. I only speak what I hear. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak what I hear the Father saying. He was in a seeing and hearing relationship. Eyes to see, ears to hear. They come from the Lord. Are you in the Lord? Are you in Christ? Then you have eyes to see and you have ears to hear. So this is all basic. So you can get deeper into all kinds. I'm giving you just a basic outline of, of Revelation. Seven ways the Spirit leads, basic ways. Some people got 24. I'll just give you 
seven, all right? Uh, seven basic ways the Spirit will lead. There's, there's an inward witness. I love that. You got that witness when, when you gave your life to Jesus, you knew something changed. You knew that you'd been born again. And there was a witness, Spirit to Spirit, you made a connection. But then there's also an inward voice when you know not just that something's there, but whatever is there, there's an inward voice and it's speaking to you. But then you can also have the Spirit's voice where it's not like a, an inward hearing. There's an actual hearing. I'm hearing the voice of God. And, and in Acts, they heard, they said, I heard, Peter said, I heard the Spirit's voice. I heard the Spirit's voice. One day in Orlando, I was listening to a guy preach and, and, and like audibly I was going, Lord, what are you doing today? What's going on? It was good preaching. I was there for a whole conference, but then he spoke to me just clearly. It's like, I thought everybody in the room heard. He said, Carl, stay fixed in the glory. And he spoke that to me like back in like 1996. And for about five years, all I preached on was glory for five years. I think everybody thought, does he have another string on his guitar? It's glory, glory, glory. That's all I could do is preach on glory. But I got saturated. I got baptized. I got immersed. And so did the people with me in a revelation of the glory of God. And the glory, but there's knowings. I know, Luke, why, Luke, why did you read? Why did you write your gospel? It seemed a good thing to do. That's what Luke said. Here's my motivation for writing the gospel. You know, I knew all these guys. I hung around with them. I'd heard all those stories about Jesus. It seemed right that I should write this. Sometimes you just know that it's something you should do. There's times people say, Pastor, how do you know that God's leading us that way? You know what? My knower. God most often speaks to me through my knower. I know that's what God wants us to do. And there's just ridiculous confidence there. It's like a spirit of faith gets all over it. I go, I know. And I know because I've, I've, I've used my knower so much that I'm really good with my knower. And I've learned to trust my knower because my knower has been proved faithful and I know that I hear the voice of God and I know what he's saying to me. Visions and dreams talks about a lot of homework. You can do your homework, talk about visions and dreams. And there's the word, the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. The word of the Lord can direct us and keep us and guide us. And then there's prophecy. There's when you prophesy, there's that, that, that spirit quickened word of prophecy that is spoken. And prophecy is a way that you are led. And we're talking about a prophet today. We're talking about prophecy. Now, hearing the voice of the Lord. Really quick, you ready? Here it is. I'm going to give you five things. Number one, hearing the voice of the Lord is innate. 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 That means everybody, it's in you. You were born with it. You've got it. Everybody can hear the voice of God. You were created to hear his voice. And a shepherd speaks, the sheep follow. So listen, hearing his voice is innate. So say to yourself, I can hear. I was designed to hear. I was created to hear. Hearing comes from God. I can hear. It's an eight. Number two. Number two. It is number two. It is number two. Number two. It's learned. So you know what? You learn. My, my kids learn to speak. My kids learn. They could hear me, but then they learn. They learn what was being said. They learned how to say it themselves. They learned how to talk about it. So I had to get them use your words. You go, uh, uh, uh. I go, use your words. We're beyond grunting now, okay? We're in a better place. So you got to use your word. I mean, I can swing a golf club, but I could learn from a pro. I mean, and Tiger Woods can swing a golf club, but he still has a teacher. You know, and so you, know, you can learn. We can always learn. I love these folks. I love Sheila. She said, like, I thought, ah, good enough. You know, I've seen, done, blah, blah, blah. Then she said, I'm going to go learn. Go ahead and learn. You can still learn. I can still learn. I'm learning. I'm reading. I devour books every week. I read, I read, I read. My wife's doing her master's. She wants to keep learning. You know what? If you stop learning, you've stopped. So keep learning. You can learn. You can grow in your understanding. You're learn your language. Number three. Number three, it's matured. You know, children have to learn to communicate. Your revelation of your union with God must mature. You're not maturing in who you are in Christ. You're maturing in your understanding of who you are in Christ. You might think that's not a big deal, but it's a really big deal. Well, you can't do much because you're a baby Christian. No, you can do everything as a newborn child of God. 
It's not like, well, you're just a new believer, so don't believe you can go heal people. Well, actually, you can, and most new believers do until they're told you can't. I mean, most new believers say, they go, I can do the stuff now. Oh, no, no, you shouldn't do the stuff. You can't pray for people. Stop that. Leave it to us mature people who don't pray for anybody anymore. So maturity is, is not a product of your, you know, I got to get closer to God. Here's a revelation. You ready? You'll never get closer to God than you are today. You are one spirit with him. You can get a greater understanding of how amazingly close you are, but it will not change that you are the apple of his eye. All right, but you need to know that. You didn't come in as nephos. You came in as huios, and God very clearly made that. He used that word on purpose. You're not a child. You're not an infant. You are a fully mature son when you become born again. You got the keys to the Cadillac and full access to the checkbook. Get her done. Because the devil doesn't say, oh, well, I'm not going to bother them. They're just a baby Christian. You need the full package. You need the whole thing. You need to be fully initiated, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, living, breathing children of God. Can I get an amen just for fun? All right. So, but hearing gets attacked. Even, I don't care how mature you think you are, your hearing will get attacked. Well, I'm a very mature Christian, been along in the Lord for a lot of years. My hearing never gets attacked. Jesus was there in the wilderness and his hearing was attacked. The enemy tried to tell him, you're not hearing, right? Here's what that means. Listen, your hearing can get attacked, but when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. All kinds of heart conditions. Good heart condition is one that's cared for, you know, because your heart is your hearing mechanism. So you take care of your heart. Take, don't get your heart plugged up with stuff. Your heart can get damaged and accused. Your heart can get broken. You can have a divided, a double-minded situation. If you're double-minded, you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. You got to have your heart totally focused and totally situated. You can get distracted and earthbound. Some of you are already distracted going, how long is this sermon going to be? Oh, my God. You get distracted. You look at the light. You look at this. You start staring at the coat of the person in front of you. That's a nice coat. wonder where they got that from. What are we having for lunch today? Oh, look at that wire hanging from the ceiling. Hello? Hello? All right, you know, hearing gets attacked. The devil comes right while I'm preaching and tries to distract you. Number five. Number five, it's a lifestyle. Hearing his voice is a lifestyle. Proverbs 3, 6 in the message says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. The, he, he's the one who will keep you on track. Uh, Proverbs 8, 34, blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at my posts, at my doors. You've positioned yourself in the hearing place. You've positioned yourself. You've on purpose set yourself in that place at gates and doors to hear because at the gates and doors, things are opening and things are being manifest and you're ready for God to activate you in his purpose. So turn to your neighbor and say, I can hear. You are not a victim of anything. In fact, you are so incredibly well-equipped to be victorious every day and to prophesy to situations in your life, and you will prophesy, and he will show. God, show up in my life. Say something. God, change this. Say something. God, I need this. Say something. Because God, just like he watched over Samuel's words, when you get his word on your mouth, he'll watch over that word and he'll bring it to pass. It's true. It's true. It's very true. All right. Three stages of hearing really fast. 
I'm a child of God. That's again, it's not an infant. I'm a child of God. It's where you know that. When you know you're a child of God, you know the benefits. You're fully matured in the revelation that I am a child of God. Sons of God. Again, that's wheels. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you get into that place where you learn to hear from God for yourself and you do that. But the next thing is a friend of God. You step into friendship. Right here it is. Boom. Right there. Number two, friend of God. Friend of God. So he spoke to Moses face to face as his friend. Jesus said, I've called you friends for I, I'm letting you know. I'm telling you what the Father's made known. So I want you to step into a place of not just your personal world taken care of, but I want you to begin to learn to connect with God in an area where you know what he is doing and you can take on friendship with him and, and what he's doing becomes a partnership because you're his friend and you're concerned about what's, and he's sharing with you on purpose what's in your heart. But the next thing is, number three is I'm a prophet of God. In Numbers eleven twenty nine, 29, said, I wish that all God's people were prophets. I mean, here's Moses well before, you know, the new covenant when uh, he said, share your anointing with others. And all those guys started to prophesy and two guys who didn't show up to church on time, they started prophesying down among the people. And they said, man, those guys are out of order. Let me get down and kill them. He said, no, 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 it's okay. I wish that all God's people were prophets. See, the heart of God, the passion of God is that every single person was a prophet. Not an ascension gifting prophet, but somebody who understands what it is to be a company of prophets who are hooked up with heaven and know how to speak and bring into manifestation his purposes, not just for your personal life, but for what he desires to do in the earth today. And so God's looking for that. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy. So prophecy, prophecy creates a hunger in the church for the voice of God. Prophecy is not to have a professional hearer. Oh, I got to go to church today. I need a prophecy. I don't know what to do. Should I get out of bed? Should I get a job? I got to go to church and find out what I should do. Could you please tell me what God's saying to me? See, prophecy doesn't mean that you're going to get a professional listener for your life. The prophet does, puts a hunger in you to hear for yourself. Because the prophetic office is not just to prophesy, and it will prophesy, and share things for the corporate body about what is God is doing today. But what the prophet does is in every individual, because the prophetic, prophetic office is what? It's an equipping gift. Who is it equipping? You. To do what? To make you helpless and hopeless and just, we need a prophet. No, so that it tells you any prophet that does not equip you personally to hear the voice of God is not a prophet. It's not for profit. <laughs> See, when you hear the prophetic, you should desire personally say, I have a hunger for the voice of God. All right? That's what that's all about. So I'm a prophet of God. Prophecy does that. Seven tests of prophecy, bunch of lists. You ready? Seven really fast. You got to test it. How much prophecy? How much prophecy should be tested? 90%, 80%, 100% of prophecy should be tested. What does that mean? Prophecy is in the parking lot between you, you know, between gutter mouth and, and smelly head. I don't even know who those people are, but, but the two people in the parking lot having their own little prophetic thing. It's probably out of order. Because it says, let the others judge. So some others should be there. See, when we have prophecy, we ask other people to come and get involved. Because how much prophecy has to be judged? Does that mean even the stuff that happens in the parking lot? Does that mean even the stuff that happens on the phone? Wow. Does that mean even the stuff you go 1-800-PROPHET? Come on. How many have done it? Come on. No? Okay. 
But it all has to be. So you got, what are you going to do? You got to test the spirit. Where is it from? You got to test the content. I mean, is it biblical? I had a first year I was here, first year pastoring. I had a lady come to me. She says, this summer you're going to do a wedding. I hope you're ready. I go, really? I didn't even know anybody was engaged. She says, well, we're not engaged yet, but God has told me that I'm going to marry that man. I said, really? I'm new here, but I'm pretty sure that man's married to that woman. Yes, I know that he's going to leave her though, and he, she's going to marry me. And I'm like, I went, the Lord told you that? Yes. I went, the Lord didn't tell you that. How do you know the Lord didn't tell me that? I, tell, I hear the voice of God. I go, that wasn't the voice of God. So she left the church, praise the Lord. Amen. Anyway, stuff happens. It's unfortunate. It wasn't necessary. But the purpose, does it glorify God? The vehicle is their fruit. The atmosphere, does it bring liberty? The direction, I mean, where does it lead? Where does this lead? And the accuracy, is this person, you know, accurate? I mean, does something line up? You know, and, and sometimes none of these things can be true. Sometimes the person has got no character, no integrity, blah. I've had a person who come up to me, he's got a word for him. I'm like, oh, Lord, this person... Okay, yes, yes, it's good. And they speak to me, and I go, oh my goodness, that's the word of the Lord. And I knew in my spirit it was the word of the Lord. And you know, sometimes the Lord will use a donkey. He did use a donkey. I'm not saying that person was a donkey. But you know, sometimes we think that only this person can speak to me. I have judged that only this person can speak into my life. I've had people that I thought shouldn't be able to, but you know, God can use anybody. But in general, you should test everything, and there's some parameters for testing, okay? Go ahead. Go ahead. Prophecy, Dr. Bill Hammond. Prophecy is important in the life of the church because prophecy is the most edifying gift for a congregation. It, the eight gifts are wonderful. They're focused like a rifle, but the gift of prophecy, you know, it's not for a specific person. Prophecy, it's like a shotgun. It can bless the whole house. Last Saturday night, we're prophesying over specific people. But the amazing thing was when you're hearing these words over those people, that's why sometimes I go, now that was good. If you need that, take it too. And there's sometimes you're hearing the Lord speaking something wonderful over somebody else. You just go, you know what? I need to lean into that. I needed to hear that today. I needed to hear what God said to that person and that blessed me and I've had that happen lots of times when I've leaned in and said Lord I don't know if they know how special that is but I'll take some of that because that's the word of the Lord and I take that here's another one boom Kenneth Hagin I love Kenneth Hagin he was so good Kenneth Hagin had such a gift of making the obvious obvious you know, it's just like you just, you didn't walk away not knowing what was going on. It was so good. So we can judge these things. If prophecy produces bondage, it isn't right. The word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Some people stop right there and take the wrong liberty. I can just hear Kenneth Hagin saying that. You know what I mean? Some people stop right there, take the wrong liberty. Glory. Another one, got another one here from Chris Willott. And he said, practicing the gifts should take place in an atmosphere of love, a culture of spiritual authority. Without being in submission to true spiritual authority, we are contractors building skyscrapers without a foundation. The first time the wind blows, it will fall to the ground. You know what? There's safety. There's power. There's a wonderful thing being in a community and honoring and submitting to one another. Can I get an amen? A whole bunch of lists, and you have to memorize each of those because there's a test next week. <laughs> you know what? There is a test this week. I don't know what it is. It'll be unique for all of you, but you're going to experience some. You know, because the word's coming, and the enemy's going to come and try and steal it from you. So get it deep in your heart, all right? Give me another slide. I'm just about done. Acts 13, 1 to 3. Here's an example of a prophetic company. They were there having a service, spending time together, seeking the Lord together. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke, and there was an utterance that said, separate. And the word separate means take your hands off. Take your hands off. These guys aren't yours. These are gifts in your house. And I know they're wonderful people in your ministry team. But the Lord says, take your hands off them because it's time for them to go. So what did they do? They sent them. No, they didn't. They prayed and fasted. They took time. They tested the word. 
they tested the word and said, Lord, was that was that of the Lord? And as they sought the Lord, they realized that's the word of the Lord. They laid their hands on them, prayed for them, and they sent them. So there's three aspects of that kind of an encounter. There's the revelation, then there's the interpretation, and then there's the application. Agabus had a prophetic word for Paul. He said, Paul, you're going to go to Jerusalem when you get there, just like I've tied your hands and bound your feet. You're going to be put in bondage when you get to Jerusalem. That was the word of the Lord. So Agabus' interpretation was, don't go. But Paul understood, you are right, Agabus, but the interpretation and the application of that word is, thank you, I know, and the Lord has told me I'm going to go and find chains and difficulty, but he told me don't be afraid of those chains because those chains will take you to Rome. So even though it'll be difficult, that will be a vehicle that I will use to get you to Rome, your ultimate destiny. So sometimes you can have a prophet has the right word, but the prophet's telling you the wrong application. That's why it's good to let the others judge. I don't like prophets who give you the word and judge it and interpret it for you. Just give me the word. Just give me the word. The Lord put his word in his mouth, not his head, not his heart, not somewhere else. A prophet gets the word in the mouth. I, I, uh, last week we had ministry with Bobby and Cheryl. I mean, honestly, Bobby said, good, I didn't expect that. I said, I didn't expect it either. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think that's what we were going to say to you. I didn't think, I didn't come with the expect, I came with an expectation always that God will use me, but I don't know what he's going to tell me. I don't sit at home and write down, here's some notes I want to prophesy over Bobby. Because I say, Lord, here's my mouth, fill it. And so I knew that, you know, as I began to go, there was a prophetic flow and it just began to come. And it wasn't out of my head, it wasn't out of my heart. <laughs> my head, my heart. <laughs> it was out of my mouth. It's like the Lord just took my mouth and he began to share. Here's, Carl, stop. Let me use your mouth for a second. I want to speak to Cheryl and Bobby. And I like that. And it does say he'll put his words in your mouth. Now, he might share something with your head. You might get a knowing. You might get something, a word of knowledge or other things you might share. But prophecy is very spontaneous. Very spontaneous. Words of knowledge, other things, things you might down, write down and stuff like that. I've gone to places where, I went, went to Nova Scotia to a conference once. There was over 200 people there. And it was at, uh, right at the school you went to there. What's that school called? Acadia. And I was there in Acadia, and I started singing my sermon, just having fun with the keyboard player. And he was playing the keyboard. Hey, keep playing. Hey, I want you to turn tonight. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's go there together. And he's playing along with me. And I, as I started to sing, I couldn't actually stop singing. I sang the whole sermon, and then we had an altar call. I prophesied in song over 200 people, singing over every one of them. And I didn't have any of those songs before I got there. Every single thing was spontaneous and fresh. My wife, we're at a meeting, and my wife calls out a lady and says, does this phrase mean anything to you? And she says, wow, she took off her ring, and it was engraved in her ring. And he said, here's what the Lord's saying to you. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Then the pastor, she brings the pastor around and says, you know, I, I just saw you, and I see you in a place of transition. I'm not sure what's going on, but I see that you're in a place of decision, and God wants to speak to you. You're standing over a desk, and I see you over a desk with blueprints. And she began to speak into the whole thing. And after we're done, he says, you need to come with me. I said, sure. We walked into his office. His office desk was covered with blueprints. And I've been using those kind of things over and over again. I love when I was in Wales with Bobby and Wales with Bobby. I said, you two people over here, you are Mr. and Mrs. Joy. And they went, actually, that is our name. We are Mr. and Mrs. Joy. I went, well, praise the Lord. So I didn't know that. I had no idea. But I said, the Lord's got a word for you. You are Mr. and Mrs. Joy. And he wants, and then I said, I said what? She said, that, that's our name. We're Mr. and Mrs. Joy. I went, that's fantastic. Over and over again. I was preaching in the middle of a sermon in Australia. And while I'm preaching, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like preaching. I'm going like, Praise God. And all of a sudden, I'm like, my shoulder's killing me. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, I realized, oh, that's the Lord speaking to me. And I went, man. So I opened my mouth. I didn't have anything except you got a sore shoulder. I stopped and said, there's somebody here you got a sore shoulder. 
I said, and, and you, your shoulder is sore because yesterday you lifted a pizza oven. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and, and you're concerned because you're a contractor and you've got a job that starts tomorrow and you're concerned that your shoulder is badly hurt and you'll be unable to start this contract tomorrow. And I'm just like, and it's just, I'm just, the Lord just took over my mouth started. All of a sudden the guy jumps and goes, ah! And he had both hands up in the air and he started just running around the building and running. And then finally I got him, I got him, stop, stop. Like, What's going on? He says, I own the pizza shops here in town, three pizza shops. <laughs> says, I didn't move in a shop yesterday. I lifted the oven and boom, my shoulder go poop. <laughs> he says, I'm also an electrical contractor. The uh, contractor, I got a big job for the electrical uh, company here in town started tomorrow. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this job. And then you said, somebody here got a sore arm. And I went, ah, my arm's not sore anymore. He took off, started running again. You know? <laughs> But over and over, I mean, I, over and over and over and over again, I sat here in Africa. They kept on wanting me to come to Nigeria, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to Nigeria. And then they sent me an email. I said, please come. The Holy Spirit has told us you must come, and he's speaking to you right now. You must come. And I went, no, I'm not going to Nigeria. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, go to Nigeria. And I went, oh, my God. And I went to Cheryl. I got to go to Nigeria. And Cheryl, well, I don't go to Nigeria. He said, no, God just spoke to me. I went, and it was a prophetic assignment. Unbelievable what God did with that assignment. Blew my mind. I don't have time to tell you about it. But it's, it's incredible. Over and over again, you know what? You can hear the voice of God. And it doesn't have to be big, crazy stuff like that. Sometimes it's just here. You know what God's saying to you right now? I love you with an everlasting love. It's unconditional, and I'll never leave you or forsake you. And you need to hear that for yourself. Amen. Now, I got Leroy here. Leroy lost a, a brother this week, and, and Barb Zimmer lost a brother this week, and it's a couple people in the house that have had loss. And we bless you guys, and uh, we just know the Lord's going to wrap you up and help you through that whole thing. I didn't, that wasn't a word of knowledge they told me beforehand. So, but we want to bless you guys. I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord, that the comfort that can only come from him, you know, because he's the God of all comfort. I might give you a bit, but honestly, he's the God of all comfort. So I just pray you'd be wrapped up and surrounded, and there'd be grace in this whole situation for you. Pray God to just comfort you so much that you just be just vehicles of peace for your family and just be a blessing to all of them. Can you stand up with me? Come on, stand up with me. One more slide. I think I got one more I got one more slide, right? There it is. 1 Corinthians 2.12. We've received God's spirit. Not the spirit of the world, but we received the spirit so we can know. So that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. Amen? That's why he gave us the spirit, so that we could know. We could get a revelation of how wonderful it is to be a child of God. I just want everybody praying. All the believers are praying. I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes. Now listen. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. I just got a question. Are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? Because, you know, when you're a child of God, you can hear his voice. But I'm speaking to you today that if you came here today and you wandered in, but as you listen to all this, there's something going on. You may not even understand it all, but you know that you feel like, I want to be connected with my Heavenly Father. I want to know what it is to be a child of God. And maybe you've never made that decision today. You've never said, Lord, be my Lord and be my Savior. I want you to do that today. I want you to be reconnected. Jesus is the new and living way to reestablish you. He's the way, the truth, and life. He's the one who gives you that revelation that you're a child of God. He gives you a revelation of your sins forgiven, that you're healed and you're free, and he restores you to your relationship with your Father. Would you accept him? Would you accept him? 
If you've never accepted him, I want you to do it today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to go one, two, three. And when I do, if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up. Put your hand up high so I can see it. And we're just together going to pray for you before we go, all right? Now listen. Are you ready? Here it is. One, two, three. Just lift your hand very high. Could you do that for me? Put it up very high. Very high. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Put your hand up so I can see it. Anyone? Thank you. All right, we're going to pray together. So you put your hand up. Just pray with me, all right? We're all praying. So you lift up your voice so you can hear it because I want you to pray this. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I accept that you are the way and the truth and the life. I accept you as my Lord. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. I'm born again. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Can I get whoever's ministering at the altar today to come on up? And we're just going to close the service. And I know we got a family group today having fun, doing some movies and stuff. But if you're on the prayer team, could you come up today and just to get ready to receive people, minister to people? All right, bless you. If you need prayer for anything, if there's anything, if you need a word, if you need a prophetic word, if you need somebody to lay hands on you, if you need healing, you need, if you've come in and there's some need you have from God that you need dealt with right now, please come. We're going to take some time and minister to you, all right? Can I bless you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this house blessed each and every one. I pray that they would be blessed with an accelerated revelation of the love of the Father. I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would wrap and surround them. The revelation of it, that it would so empower them and flood them and fill them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that your divine partnership would be so evident, that you'd be so close, so face to face, that we know that we are in divine partnership in everything we do. So put us on like a garment, Almighty God. Take us now, you for your purposes in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen.